This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The second reading is from 1 John chapter 5. Our God hears and helps us. This reading will serve also as the basis for today's sermon. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask. I'm going to ask you nicely if you might possibly work today. Just a mental exercise that I have. I'm going to read off a few Bible passages, and I'd like you to process them through your minds. I'd like you to consider the question, what do these Bible passages have in common? Let's try it. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Here's the first one. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And there's one more. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you know what all those passages have in common? I suppose there might be a couple of acceptable answers to that question. I'm not going to single anyone out or, or put anyone on the spot. These are all passages that we need to hear, especially on a day like today. These words are salve 
for our wounds and a much-needed catalyst of healing and of hope. But, but these words have something even greater in common than that. They all come from the same place. They have the same author, and they're found in the same Bible book, the book that you know of as First John. And that means that all of these passages and the many more that are woven throughout the five chapters of John's letter of love, they're the ones that our second reading are pointing to when he says, I have written these things. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, is sitting in his upper flat with the doors open, the windows so that the sun can beam in, so that the waft of warm Mediterranean air can moderate the temperature. And it's not just the warm air, but there's the smell of the salt coming off of the Mediterranean Sea. He sits and he writes because his friends are in danger. The friends that he has gained through his gospel proclamation, those brothers and sisters of his in Christ in the churches that he was given the privilege of overseeing, they were in danger. Because it was more than warm, salty air that was blowing in the wind. In John's day, there were the seeds of false doctrine that were being sown. The seeds of heresy were floating here and there, being bantied about a heresy that undermined Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord. A heresy that, that took away the validity of the words of God. That false doctrine was a threat. A threat to John and his ministry. A threat to all those who were members of the congregations that he served and oversaw. A threat to those who lived in those communities who could have and would have benefited from friendship evangelism in their midst. And so we wrote, wise and well-experienced, well along in years by this time, John wrote. You can almost picture him stroking his long white beard as he gathered his thoughts and pondered the Holy Spirit giving him the words to speak His achy and shaky hand was made like steel as he grabbed that pen and began to write this letter of love, this passionate plea, these words of hope. Today's second reading is the beginning of the end of John's letter. He's wrapping up some concluding thoughts, reminiscing about what he had printed, the the artistry that he had woven through the last five chapters. And that's when he said this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know. John wrote these words to people that he loved, Christians in his day and Christians in our day, that they may know, that we may know, 
may know that we have eternal life. We have confidence in the Son of God. We have the assurance of his promises. We have hope. Because Jesus is real. Jesus really is the Son of God. Jesus really took on human flesh for you and for me. He really came to live life in our place because he knew we never could live up to the standards of perfection. He really was our substitute and savior. He really suffered because that's what we deserved to endure. And he really died because that's what happens with sin. And because that's the price we were supposed to pay. But Jesus really rose. On the third day, he really rose from death's dark prison. He rose to show that he really held the power over death. He really rose from the dead, and that means that we really, too, will rise. Death really couldn't hold him, and it really can't hold us. Jesus really ascended into heaven and promised that there he is preparing the place where we will spend an eternity. Yet, miraculously, he tells us that he is really here among us, present and active and loving in our very midst. Jesus really will come back from there to this place to take us to be with him forever. And there we really will reign forever and forever. This is truth. This is real. This is our confidence. But it's not just confidence. We have a connection. Jesus opens the access between us and the Father. Jesus is our lifeline. Listen to what John has to say. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We can speak to our God in prayer. We can offer him our expressions of thanks and praise. We can have his words on our lips and in our life. We can rely on him for help and for hope. We have a connection. Even though sins should separate us from our God, we have forgiveness. And that means that we have a connection that no one can sever. Even though there's nothing in us that should warrant God giving us even a second thought, there is something in him that makes us his forever. His compassion. His heart. His love. Jesus' bountiful mercy and never-ending grace he pours out into our lives so richly every day. He thought he was alone until an adversary came out of the dark and attacked. Pouncing on him, wrapping his arms around him and dragging him down to the ground. They wrestled, but to a stalemate. The man couldn't overpower Jacob, and Jacob couldn't overpower the man. 
I've always wondered precisely when it was that Jacob understood that he was wrestling with God. Was it after an hour of back and forth and no one was winning even the slightest of a victory? Was it when that finger came and touched his hip and left him with a lasting limp? We don't know when, but we know that it happened. At some point, Jacob figured out that he was wrestling with God. And now his motives and intentions changed. No longer was he wrestling to gain an advantage or a victory. No longer was he struggling to make a getaway. But now the wrestling match was to hold on and to not let go. I will not let you go until you bless me. What a vivid display of the lives that we can live in Jesus. We can cling to the promises that he has made to us. We can cling to him and never let go. We can recite back to him what he's told us he will do. He loves it. God loves to be held accountable to his words. God loves it when we speak to him boldly and confidently about the promises he has made. I am your rock, your fortress, and your deliverer. Okay, God. Now we know where to stand. I am your shield and your strength. That's good news, Lord, because I am weak and I need your protection. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Lord, I'm holding you to those promises, and I'm gaining from them hope and confidence. Because I live, you also will live. So I can say with Paul, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. With joy, Lord, I will make it my forever refrain. I am but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, Jesus says, except through me. Lord Jesus, you are my everything. You are the everything that I need to live in this life, and you are the everything that I need. You have accomplished it all so that everlasting life is what's in store for me. I have told you these things so that you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble but take heart. I have overcome the world. No matter how scary or difficult or tragic this world might be, I have victory in Jesus. And so we can cling to the promises and cling to the one who has made those promises. We can hold on to God and never let go, all the while knowing that really the opposite is true. It's God who holds us. 
It's he who holds us in his tender hands. It's God who wraps his powerful and loving arms around us. Pastor Strong knew that full well, and he lived his life according to it. He knew Jesus and sought to make Jesus known. He knew that Christ was his rock, and that's where he stood. He stood on Christ as his rock and on his refuge. God put faith in his heart through the waters of holy baptism and then strengthened that faith through gospel in word and sacrament all his days. God put faith in his heart and Pastor Strong put that faith on his sleeve so that God's name would be glorified. So that others would know through the words that he spoke and through the life that he lived that he was a child of God. That's who he was. That's what he did. He had confidence. He had connection to Jesus. Jesus was his lifeline. And now what he longed for all his days, and now what he showed others so that they could stand with him and they could together gaze heavenward, now he enjoys it full well. Bliss of everlasting glory. In John's letter, he writes, simple, yet profound truths, like this section from chapter 4. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. The Holy Spirit guided John to write these words so that we would have peace, so that we would have joy, so that we would have hope. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. We know it. And we can celebrate it. All the days that God has seen fit to allow us to walk the face of this globe, we, we know it. And then our knowledge will be magnified and then our joy will be made complete and in perfect glory when endless days the days that God has promised us, the days that he has sealed and guaranteed when we will walk with Jesus through the golden streets of heaven. Eternal life is ours because Jesus is our lifeline. more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor 
and give you peace.